So let's turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Verse 13, we've been talking about the spirit of faith. And in 2 Corinthians 4.13, it says, We having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believed and therefore have I spoken. We also believe and therefore speak. Since we have the same spirit of faith Jesus has, when he raised the dead, he cast out demons, he healed the sick, he spoke to the weather, we have the same spirit of faith Moses had when he stretched out his rod over the water. We have the same spirit of faith David had when he ran at Goliath. We have the same spirit of faith Daniel had when he went to sleep in the lion's den. We have the same spirit of faith Paul had when he went around the uh, known world at that time, uh, building churches and uh, uh, taking the news of the new covenant to uh, the unknown world, the Gentile world at that time. Because we have the same spirit of faith as these people did, uh, then we should be overcomers in life. Uh, we've said that the spirit of faith is the spirit of victory. And some Christians refer to faith as a group or a movement, but it's not. Faith is not a group. It's not a movement. Uh, sometimes you will hear uh, someone say, well, that, that faith movement has, has passed away. Well, we, we better hope not, because if it has, that means the new birth has passed away, receiving has passed away, Pleasing God has passed away, and overcoming the world has passed away. So, um, because you can't do any of those things, we can't receive any of those things without faith. So here in Hebrews, uh, let's, we'll move on over to Hebrews uh, 10, the end portion of the chapter there and into chapter 11, we've been looking at examples of these great people of faith uh, and how the spirit of faith acts. And in Hebrews 10, verse 35, it says, Cast not away, therefore, your confidence or your faith, which hath great recompense of reward. For ye have need of patience or endurance, that after you have done the will of God, you might receive the promise. For yet a little while, and he that shall come will come and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith. But if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. But we are not of them who draw back unto perdition or destruction, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. So we, we've seen uh, in previous sessions that faith is the opposite of drawing back. We've seen that faith steps out. 
the spirit of faith steps out. It's, it's always moving forward. Moving into chapter 11, verse 1, it says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for or expected. The evidence of things not seen. So we've talked about how when you're in faith about something, it's not seen and it's not yet. That means you can't see it, you can't feel it, you can't touch it yet. So that's, that's why we're in faith. That's why we're believing. Because we, we can't see it yet, we can't touch it yet. So um, we've also seen that one of the characteristics of faith here is that faith expects. The spirit of faith has a continual um, uh, sense of ex expectation. That's what Bible hope is. Uh, it does not move or draw back. It continues to expect what we're believing for, what we have been promised. Uh, we go on to verse 2. Faith, uh, by faith, the elders received a good report. So faith receives a good report. By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. Abel gave a better gift in worship to God than Cain did. And we've seen that uh, faith here is a giver. Abel is our example uh, of, of faith to give. Faith to give uh, our best. And that's why Abel's offering was accepted is because he gave in faith and he gave his best. Cain just gave something. He just gave something because Abel was giving. Uh, it was not in faith. It was not his best. And he knew that it was not his best. Now, uh, for some people, you know, five, five pounds or five dollars is their best. And we all start, all have to start where we are. Um, but if someone uh, is making thousands a week and they put five pounds or five dollars in the offering, that's not their best. And they know it's not their best. Um, now, it's been a long time since I just put five pounds or five dollars in an offering, but that's where I started. We all have to start wherever we are. But as I continue to hear the word about Bible prosperity and the laws of increase, and, and as I began to put them into practice, I began to come up financially. And as I have continued to increase, for me to put five pounds or five dollars now into an offering, that would not be my best anymore. At one time it was my best, but it wouldn't be my best today. If the Lord impresses me to give a certain amount, and I put in less, then that's not my best, and I know in my heart that's not my best. Uh, you know, some Christians today try to dismiss the importance of money and tithes and offerings, but they're not kidding themselves. Uh, this is what God Abel killed. And it's not a money issue. People try to make it a money issue. It's not a money issue. It's a heart issue, and it's a faith issue. 
Cain knew in his heart that he had not given his best. And when God refused his offering and accepted Abel's, it made him so mad that he killed Abel. So, so we see that uh, we have a, a you know, we're, st here, we're still here 6,000 years later talking about Abel's offering. This is how it so impressed God that he had it recorded here in Hebrews 11 with all these heroes of faith. So I'd say that's pretty important. If you make it into Hebrews 11, what you've done is pretty important. So for people to try to dismiss giving as something not important, they're, they're really fooling themselves. Verse 5, uh, it says, Enoch, we know Enoch had fellowship with God faith. He had faith to fellowship and walk closely with God, and he walked so closely with God that uh, he, he just left the earth and didn't come back one day. He just got out there so far. He didn't come back. Verse 7, by faith Noah being warned of God of things not seen as yet, not seen as yet, he moved with fear and prepared an ark. So we see that faith prepares and faith gets ready for whatever we're believing for. Whatever we've been promised, we take it by faith and we begin to prepare and get ready for it just like Noah did. Verse 8, by faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed. So we talked about Abraham last time. Uh, he, he stepped out and obeyed God, left his family, his home, his country, everything, when he didn't even know where he was going. So we see that faith obeys. Faith steps out, faith expects, faith gives, faith prepares, faith obeys. Uh, verse 10, talking about Abraham, for he looked for a city. So we see that faith looks. Faith not only obeys, it looks for what it is believing to come to pass. So today, let's move on to verse 11. Through faith also, Sarah herself received strength. So we've just been talking about Abraham's faith. Now in verse 11, it says, uh, through faith, Sarah herself received strength. So Sarah also had faith. Her faith was also involved in this faith project. It wasn't just all Abraham's faith. We talk a lot about Abraham's faith, and we, we emphasize it a lot, but we don't talk much about Sarah's faith. I read this verse in some other translations, and some of them don't even mention that Sarah had faith at all. It just, it just mentions that she could not have children, and that Abraham had faith. Some of the other translations don't even uh, give her credit for having any faith at all. But um, her faith was involved. She had personal faith herself. That's why her name is in this chapter. She's the first woman to make it into this chapter. So 
uh, you know, it wasn't just up to Abraham to do all the believing. She, she had to have personal faith as well. And that's, that's pretty much true with all of us. The only exception to that, uh, you know, where you have to have your own personal faith, the only exception to that really is small children. And uh, where parents can believe and have faith for their own children, just like they, just like they believe for themselves. Uh, they can believe for healing or whatever need on behalf of, of their children. Because parents have the most authority in their children's lives where faith is concerned. Grandparents have some authority, not as much as the parents, but grandparents can also have an, some authority. If you get the parents and the grandparents together, boy, you've really got some, some uh, faith going there. Uh, if the parents uh, respect a minister or another believer, their, uh, their faith can also carry some authority. But ultimately, the parents have the most authority when it comes to believing for their children. So Abraham could exercise his own faith, but he couldn't, do, he couldn't believe for Sarah. She also had to have personal faith. Uh, because it wasn't just Abraham's body that was the problem. It wasn't just his age that was the problem. Uh, Sarah also had some problems because she had never been able to have children, even when she was 20 years old. Uh, and now she's 90 years old at this point. So her body and her age was also involved. It wasn't just all up to Abraham. They had to get into agreement about this. It says, Sarah herself received strength. Now this brings us to our next characteristic of how the spirit of faith acts. Faith receives. Faith is a receiver. It says, Sarah, through faith, Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age. In the, the Greek it says, beyond the years of opportunity. So she had to actively engage her faith to receive this strength. It goes on to say, because she judged him faithful who had promised. Underline the words receive, conceive, and faithful in that, in that verse 11. Receive, conceive, and faithful. Faith receives, faith conceives from the word, and faith judges God to be faithful to keep his word. Now we talk about uh, God judging us from time to time. We talk about God judging us and God judging people. But we also judge God. We judge God every day. We either judge him to be faithful or we judge him to be unfaithful, whether we know it or not, whether we're conscious of it or not. We're continually judging whether God is faithful or unfaithful. Um, if you talk to someone about faith 
or healing or blessings. Uh, you're talking to them about the promises of God and our inheritance and so forth. Uh, you, you might hear them say, well, you, you never know what God's going to do. You just never know. Uh, sometimes he says yes. Sometimes he says no. Sometimes he says wait a while. Now whether they know it or not, they are judging God as unfaithful. When they say you just never know what God's going to do, they're judging God as unfaithful. In the, in the Amplified Bible, in verse 11, it says, She considered him who had given her the promise to be reliable and true to his word. Reliable and true to his word. Now the word reliable means able to be trusted. If you, you know, if, if I told you I would do something and I, and, and I did it, you could tell someone else, well, Barb's reliable because she did what she said she would do. Um, it, you know, if you're talking about, um, uh, if I tell you this car is reliable, then you would get in it and you wouldn't hesitate to drive to Scotland because I, it, you're confident that's a reliable car. You can trust it to perform with no problems and no worry about getting there. But, um, uh, you know, if, I, if, I, if you say, is this a good car? And I said, well, you never know. You never know what it will do. Then, then I'm, I'm telling you, this car is not necessarily reliable. And when people say the same thing about God, they're saying that he's not reliable, that he cannot be trusted. Uh, faith knows something. Faith knows the word of God is true. It's, it's yes and amen. So, first of all, when we're starting out to, to believe God for something, first of all, we have to have a word from him, either in the written word or in, in your spirit, or, or you've, you know, you've heard a rhema word, maybe someone spoke a, a prophetic word or something that just really quickened your spirit, and you, you really knew God was speaking to you through that. But first of all, you have to hear, you have to have a word to uh, lay hold of. Uh, now, you've got something concrete. You've got something reliable. When you have a word from God, you know you've heard from God, and you're stepping out to believe Him for this, you've got something reliable. You've got something concrete that you can stand on. And all of these Old Testament heroes in, in chapter 11, they received a word from God in, in some area, and they grasped it like a bulldog, and they would not let go of it. That's why their name is in this chapter. Uh, verse 11 in the contemporary English version says, talking about Sarah, it says, she had faith that God would do what he had promised. And that's another way of saying she judged God faithful. That's the way the King James puts it. The Living Bible says, Sarah too had faith 
And because of this, she was able to become a mother in spite of her old age. For she realized that God, who gave her this promise, would certainly do what he said. So that's another way of saying she judged God faithful. Now, we'll hold our place there for a minute and we'll go over to Genesis 17 where we find record of uh, this actual encounter that Abraham and Sarah had with God that we're referring to here in Hebrews 11. Genesis 17 verse 1 says, And when Abram was 90 years old and nine, the Lord appeared to Abram and said unto him, I am the Almighty God, walk before me, and be thou perfect. Then, skipping down to verse 15, it says, And God said unto Abraham, As for Sarai, thy wife, thou shalt not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall her name be. And I will bless her and give thee a son also of her. Yea, I will bless her and she shall be a mother of nations. Kings of people shall be of her. Then Abraham fell upon his face and laughed and said in his heart, Shall a child be born unto him that is a hundred years old? And shall Sarah that is ninety years old bear? So here it says, when God appeared to Abraham and spoke this promise to him, Abraham laughed. He, now, it doesn't say he laughed out loud. It says he laughed in his heart. But God knew that he had laughed. But God wasn't laughing. Verse 19. Uh, God tells him the second time. And, and God said, Sarah thy wife shall bear thee a son indeed. And thou shalt call his name Isaac. And Isaac means laughter. Because they laughed. And I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant and with his seed after him. Verse 21. But my covenant will I establish with Isaac, which Sarah shall bear unto thee at this set time in the next year. So God leaves him there to think about this. And as soon as God left Abraham there by himself, I suspect that Abraham regretted laughing <laughs> because he knew that God was not amused, that God was serious about this. Now in Genesis 18, God appears to Abraham and Sarah together. And he speaks to them a third time about their promised son. And in verse 9 of chapter 18, get there. And they said, um, where's verse 9? 
uh, where, is, where is Sarah thy wife? And he said, Behold in the tent. And he said, I will certainly return unto thee according to the time of life, and lo, Sarah thy wife shall have a son. And Sarah heard it in the tent door which was behind him. Now, Sarah, now Abraham and Sarah were old and well stricken in age, and it ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. Therefore Sarah laughed within herself, saying, After I am waxed old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord, being old also? So when Sarah overhears this, this conversation with God, um, just like Abraham, she also laughed at the idea of having a baby at 90 years old. But again, God wasn't laughing. In verse 13, And the Lord said unto Abraham, Wherefore did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I surety bear a child which am old? Now she didn't laugh outside, out loud either, but God knew in her heart that she had laughed at this idea also. Verse 14, Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the time appointed, I will return unto thee according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. Verse 15, Then Sarah denied, saying, I laughed not, for she was afraid. And he said, Nay, but thou didst laugh. So she denied laughing as well, but God said, No, I, I know in your heart you laughed at this. And I imagine at this point, uh, Sarah regretted laughing as, as well. She regretted that because she knew she had goofed up and that, that God uh, was, was not amused at the way they were taking this. So far, both of them have laughed at what he said. Uh, back in uh, uh, verse 6, Hebrews eleven six, 6, you know, says, Without faith it's impossible to please God. And uh, that phrase, without faith, it doesn't mean the absence of faith. It means outside of faith. Because faith is a place. Just, just like a house is a place, you're either in the house or you're out of the house, but you can't be in both places at the same time. You're either in the house or out of the house. And faith is the same way. We're either in faith or out of faith. And um, when they laughed, they were both out of faith. At this point, they are not in faith because they're, they're laughing at this. Uh, and so we know that it wasn't very pleasing to God, but he left them there to, to think about all this. Um, they probably weren't the only ones who laughed about this uh, possibility of having a, a baby at the age of 100 uh, for Abraham, 90 years for Sarah. Uh, Imagine when they went to the doctor for a checkup and they walk up to the receptionist's desk and uh, they say, you know, we're here for a checkup and the receptionist says, oh, are, are you not feeling well? And they said, oh, no, it's not that. We're going to have a baby. So we want a checkup. And I imagine every head in the waiting room turned around and looked at them and had a real laugh 
Oh yeah, grandma, grandpa, they're, they're going to have a baby. Yeah, right. So I imagine there were other people laughing at them as well. Uh, I'm not quite sure why they considered this to be so impossible at that age uh, because if you go back in Genesis 5 and you look at the early descendants of Adam, they were, they were over into their hundreds and they were still having children in their hundreds. So for Abraham and Sarah to be so shocked at the idea of having a baby at a hundred at that time, I'm not so sure why they considered that to be so impossible unless it was the fact that Sarah had never been able to have children, even when she was 20. And now when she's 90, it's even less, you know, it's even more impossible. So that perhaps that's, that's the reason why they considered this to be so impossible because she had never been able to have children. But, uh, but Sarah got her eyes off of herself she began to get her eyes off of herself, and she de decided to believe what God had said instead of her natural circumstances. And it says, through faith, Sarah received supernatural strength into her spirit. And this supernatural strength of God and, and faith began to disseminate and work its way out into her physical body and it began to change her internal organs it be began to change her glands so that she was producing hormones again it began to change her physical appearance and her youth began to be renewed we know we know that that uh, we know that, that it changed her, her physical appearance because over there in Genesis you know one of the Kings desired her for his wife, and Abraham had to lie and said to, that she was his sister, you know? So when she caught the attention, her beauty caught the attention of this king. So we know the word of God was working in her body to renew her youth. Abraham also got his eyes off of himself and began to put them on God's word, what God had spoken to him. Because faith is a receiver. That's what we're talking about today. Faith is a receiver and not a doubter. So they began to get their eyes and their ears on the word of promise. Through faith also, Sarah herself received strength to conceive. She received strength from the word and she conceived this strength from the word and she began to wrap her arms and her faith around this promise that God had spoken to, to them and, and it began to infuse uh, out of her spirit into her mortal body to change her body. Uh, because your spirit is where change begins to take place. Um, and, and, and it begins to work its way uh, out into your circumstances, out into your finances, out into your body to affect a healing and a cure. Uh, you know, many times, especially when people are just beginning to 
uh, hear about the word of faith. I, I remember it was kind of the same with myself. Uh, they begin to look at their outward circumstances to start changing quite suddenly, you know. Uh, and, and for many people, if they don't see their outward circumstances uh, begin to change pretty quickly, oftentimes they'll just give up and quit and say, this faith stuff doesn't work. Uh, but they have it backwards. The things don't begin to change on the outside first. They begin to change inside you first. That's where the word begins working. It doesn't begin working on, on your bank account or your body on the outside. It begins in your spirit first. Your spirit is the processing center of life. And, and the word begins to work in your spirit. It, 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 um, and the ch change works from the inside out. Out into your circumstances. Out into your body to restore health. Out into your bank account to bring increase. You know, many people, they look to their, their bank account to just, you know, they say, well, I tie three months or whatever, and they just expect their bank account to just, you know, take a spike. But the word has to begin in your spirit first because this is the processing uh, center of life. Proverbs 4.23 in the New Living Translation says, guard your heart above all else for it determines the course of your life. So the word begins to work from the inside first and work its way out. And as your, your soul and your mind begins to prosper on the word and your mind begins to get renewed, it begins to remove the limitations off of God and to affect change on the outside. So it happens first by, by prospering your soul on the word of God, renewing your mind, getting the word down in your, in your spirit so that uh, it begins to, the word begins to flush out all that unbelief, uh, all that confusion, all that traditional junk teaching of the past that we've had that have put limitations on God. The word has to get in your spirit and begin to flush that junk out and renew your mind to, to the ways of God. You remember uh, when Jesus cursed the fig tree, it, it, it began to wither from the roots, which are underground and you can't see that. So we, we know from the, the Bible, when they passed by that fig tree later on, nothing outward had happened. The leaves were still there. You couldn't tell anything had happened to that tree. It looked just like it did before. But the next day they walked by there, they saw the whole thing, the whole thing had died. Now, now there was visible change in that tree. The leaves had now died. But it didn't start, the leaves didn't die first. The, the, the change in that tree started at the roots, which was underground. And, and then it worked its way upward into the visible realm where uh, you could visib visibly see that that tree had died. Now the roots, not only were the roots dead, now the leaves were dead. So, so it, didn't, it didn't start withering when they saw the leaves gone. It started withering when Jesus spoke to it and it started in the roots.
underneath the ground. So the, the word works the same way. It starts in our spirit and it works its way out into, our, into the visible realm. The word of promise began to work in Sarah's spirit to change her body and restore her youth. Verse 12 of uh, Hebrews 11, we're back over there, Hebrews 11, verse 12. Therefore sprang there even of one, and him as good as dead, so many as the stars of the sky in multitude, and as the sun which is by the seashore innumerable. Verse 13. These all died in faith, not having received the promises. So all of these heroes of faith, they died not receiving the promise of the new birth. They received some of their promises, but they didn't receive all of them in that they didn't receive the promise of the new birth. It goes on to say, but having seen them afar off, and were persuaded of them, and embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. Underline the words persuaded, embraced, and confessed. These these three words, persuaded, embraced, confessed, these are three important basic principles of faith and how faith acts. Faith is persuaded about something. Faith embraces, or you could say receives, the word. It's persuaded about the word, and it confesses the word. These are all three important principles of how faith works and how faith acts. So this brings us to the next characteristic of how the spirit of faith acts. Faith is persuaded. Today we're talking about faith receives and now faith is persuaded. Now I looked up the word persuade in the dictionary and it makes a distinction between the word persuade and convince. And I thought this was interesting because we're talking about how faith acts. And it makes a distinction between the word convince and persuade. For convince, it says, the word convince should be reserved when someone's belief is changed but no action is taken. When someone is convinced, it changes what they believe, but they don't take any action on it. Whereas the word persuade should be used when someone is persuaded about something and it produces action. That's the difference between persuade and convince. When you're persuaded about something, it moves you to take action on it. Which is very interesting because that's exactly what we're talking about with Abraham and Sarah. Now, um, 
Let's turn over to Romans chapter 4. I thought that was that was quite a quite a good revelation there is that is that per, when you're persuaded it produces action. And if you're just convinced, you might change your mind about what you believe, but you don't take any action on it. Uh, Romans 4, verse 16. Therefore, it is a faith that it might be by grace. To the end, the promise might be sure to all the seed. Not to that only which is of the law, but that also which is of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations. Notice that's past tense. I have made thee a father of many nations. Before him whom he believed, even God, who quickeneth or makes alive the dead, and calleth those things which be not as though they were who against hope believed in hope. Now this is talking about Abraham and, and Sarah's situation here uh, that we just read in Genesis. Against hope believed in hope. Now we've, we've already said that Bible hope is expectation. So even though they had no natural reason to expect this to happen, they kept expecting anyway and that's very important. Against expectation, they expected anyway, you could say that, that he might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. Verse 19, And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead. When he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. So Abraham didn't consider his own body. He stopped considering his own body. He stopped considering Sarah's body. So how did they do this? How did they stop considering their natural circumstances? How did they stop considering their age and the fact that they had never been able to have kids before? They did it because they stopped talking the problem. They stopped talking the problem. You can't have faith for healing when you're talking about the negative medical report or you know, um, you can't have faith for finances when you're talking about how much money you owe or how could God ever get that money to us or where would he ever get us that much money. You can't have faith for your family to get saved when you're always talking about how wild and rebellious they are. Abraham and Sarah stopped talking about how old they were. They stopped talking about the fact they'd never had children. They stopped talking about what the doctor said. And they considered not their circumstances. They saw that God was taking this situation seriously. 
and they better stop laughing and they better start taking it seriously as well and start believing that nothing is too hard for the Lord. So in the process, God changed their names. He, he, he called Abraham father of many nations, Sarah mother of nations, and they began to get into agreement with God. Verse 20 says, He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God, and being almost persuaded. Is that what it says? Was he all, were they almost persuaded? Almost persuaded is not fully persuaded, is it? <laughs> If you're almost persuaded, you're just not persuaded yet. You're not fully persuaded. No, it says, and being fully persuaded. What he had promised, he was able also to perform. So they stopped talking the problem and they started putting their faith into action. They started saying what God says. They started calling things that are not as though they were. Abraham called her Sarah. He didn't call her Sarai anymore. He called her Sarah, mother of nations. S Sarai uh, called him Abraham. She didn't call him Abram anymore. She called him father of many nations. They began to praise God. Thank you, Lord. Your word is true. Thank you, Lord. Your word is final authority in our lives. Thank you, Lord, for our new baby boy. That's what they began to do. They went out and they bought some baby clothes. They started preparing and equipping the nursery. They went out and bought some new baby furniture. They bought some new baby toys. And they started putting their faith into action and saying what God says. They judged God faithful reliable to perform what he said. Now, as we look back over this story, if you look at where they started, they started out in unbelief. I mean real stark unbelief. But they moved from unbelief and they got over into faith and this happened exactly like God said it would at the time he said it would. So is it possible to start out in unbelief and then at some point move over into faith? Yes, this, this story proves, this example proves that you can start out in unbelief, but you can keep, you, you can uh, start acting on faith and get your eyes off the problem and start getting them over on God and start saying what God says and you can move from unbelief over into the place of faith. So this is a great encouragement to us. Now, the opposite, you know, can also happen. You can start out in faith and then after a while you can get weary and you can start wavering at some point but then you can get back into faith again. 
and receive the promise. So, so either way, you can either start out in unbelief and move into faith and receive the promise, or you can start out in faith, get over into wavering, and get, but then get back into faith and still receive the promise. So, so if we've, if we've been, uh, you know, standing in faith for something a while, and then we, we realize one day, well, you know, I kind of let go of that, and I kind of let my confessions slip there, and, and I haven't really kind of been exercising my faith in that area, you can just take it up where you left off, and you can just immediately get right back into faith again and start believing God and saying what God says. This is what Abraham and Sarah did. So if God has said it, you can judge him faithful to make it happen. And what God has promised us, it's not too outlandish and it's not impossible for it to take place. Amen?